0: Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Hello, once again. Welcome back to Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Joshua. I'm excited to have some guests, plural guests, with you tonight. Excited to get these guys back in here, but they've got a bit of a, a facelift since they were on last, so you may or may not recognize them john and mitch from superflexology they've been now joined by dan and rebranded as the dynasty theory podcast and putting out a lot of great work they've even recently joined the ross tucker football podcast network so that's really really cool it is john bauer mitch Sorensen, and dan Lemagna. welcome guys how are you doing mitch
1: doing well how about you It's been a while. It's been,
0: what, eight months now? It was. It was August, and uh, you guys were fairly new in the Superflex thing. I had you in to get to know your podcast, and then you had to change everything up. And then you added somebody new here. Dan, nice to meet you.
2: Pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having us on, man. We greatly appreciate it. Always fun getting together and a fun time to be talking football.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you uh, on the podcast with these guys, keeping them a little grounded uh raining in 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 john down here uh john nice to see you again
3: i'm back i am back
0: he's back i i was tempted tonight to tell john that that uh he's gonna actually be hosting tonight uh and i was just gonna sit back but i figured i should actually come up with a few questions at least i'm sure at some point he will try to grab the reins so we'll see how that goes
1: I I would never do that. Don't no. lie to the people. You did that on the Potathon last year. I, last year you were like, hey, mind if I take this over, guys? And
3: it, it was 3 a.m. They sat back, <laughs> they relaxed. I, I took over.
1: I guess that's fair
0: at 3 a.m. But we are recording literally the, the night before the NFL draft, which means we're not talking about the draft because there's nothing we could say that would have any meaning that would get to you in time. It would be all obsolete We are talking tonight about Dynasty startup drafts, and there's a lot of drafts, startup drafts, that are going to be taking place in the next couple months after the NFL draft. I feel like there's kind of two groups of people. There's the people who like to do startups in February and March and April, and then there's everyone else who, for the most part, are trying to get them in before training camps and things would at least normally have been maybe not this year but lots of those coming up so we're going to we're going to try and talk some theory since you are the dynasty theory podcast and help some people out with some ideas and strategies about startup drafts now it takes a lot of good projections i guess a lot of good ideas of where you're going to go with things when you head into a draft I know that you've done a lot of them. John, you you do an incredible amount of them. How many have you already done this year? I'm curious.
3: Uh like 30, 35, somewhere on there.
2: Can we have a check on that, please?
0: That's why I brought him in. I, I was on with a, a stream with John a few weeks ago, and yeah, he told me I think he was almost almost 30 then. And I said, that's great, John. Keep it up. Keep it up. If It's research because you're going to be on my pod talking startups. So that's good. He got in the work, guys.
2: It might be the over on that, though, Josh. Like when I say a check on that, I'm not saying it might be short. I'm, I'm thinking it might be over. Oh, I'm sure. I hope his wife hasn't looked at the credit statements yet. He gave me the exact same
0: answer last time, to be honest. So I'm pretty sure it's more. So with that said, well, John, sit tight. I'm going to start with Dan here. Uh, just right off the bat, I want to know. When you're going into a startup and we'll get to what kind of format and scoring differences and all that later, but just generally, what's your default approach? Like, what is your mindset? What is it you want to accomplish when you start
2: a startup? I'm pretty much the opposite, I think, of Mitch and John to to some degree, especially in the beginning of the draft. I know those gents like to trade back. I'm a little bit more aggressive to trade up in the beginning. Uh, they'll probably bust my chops a little bit, and you know, say it's the trade up to get my cowboys. And there is some truth in that. Uh, but it's really, again, as you mentioned, we'll get into formats and scoring and whatnot, depending on the the, the format. Like I'm in a couple of dynasties that I startups just in the last few weeks, they're a little bit more of a quarterback strong format. You know, you have the super flex, the scoring tilted their way a little bit. So I'd be a little bit more aggressive to try to get him a Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, depending on the scoring, and then tag that up with, I always like to have one real strong running back. And that's where the cowboy fandom is. I, I try to let it be Zeke. Um, and then just from there, you know, I, I got to get my Mari Cooper shares. And then I get into a balanced roster. And I let all the study and kick in. Uh, But I'm very aggressive in that first round to try to get talent where John, John's point to Michael Gallup, you know, everyone, I say Cooper, he says Gallup, potato, potato. You know, we can go back and forth there. I'm I'm on the Cooper bandwagon, but individual players aside, I mean, if we're giving the listeners advice, I mean, there really are a few different strategies you can have. I know Mitch and John have some really good takes on how they trade back and they stack up these picks. I'm in leagues with these guys and they have like, it will get to, like, the fourth round, I'll be missing a pick because I traded up to get him a Holmes or a Jackson or a Zeke, whoever it may be, and they'll have, like, four or five picks in a row in the fourth, fifth round, and I'm sitting watching, and it's interesting how it pans out. But I've had some good success, and, you know, in last season, I think I was top three in the majority of my league, so I was in contention there for money, definitely profited. And I know those guys had success as well. You know, Mitch is a little more experimental. He likes going rookie crazy on one or two. So, again, that's another theory – you know, you'll look at for our listeners, but to sum it up, Josh, I'm very aggressive trying to get who I think is going to be a marquee guy or two in those first few rounds. I like to have a little bit more of a strong foundation to my lineup. So I know I'm going to be competitive. I like trading my draft capital, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, the first year of dynasty, second year of dynasty teams. If my teams don't work out, then I'm a little bit more less inclined to trade them. But in the beginning, I like to give it up and have a very star studded team.
0: All right, so you're definitely a go for it, win now, get your guys.
2: Most certainly, most certainly. I want to be competitive out of the gate. I want to profit out of the gate. And I think the only other piece I'll put in there is yeah, I'm going heavy to get my guys, but I am a little age ageist here. I still make sure it's a young lineup. So, you know, I'm not just in trouble with guys that no one's going to want. If I have to dump them, I have to trade them. You know, if it's my Cowboys and Dak and Cooper, they're in their mid-20s, you know, you know, so there's there's value there, even in Zeke, uh, Mahomes, Jackson, CMC, DJ Moores. Those kind of guys that I build around are very young, so I've got a lot of trade bait if I need it.
0: Well, that helps kind of insulate your your decisions from failure because even if they have a bad season or whatever, they still have some value simply because they're young and they still have that potential word uh, i like to like those players that even if they have those bad seasons it doesn't matter you can still find someone who has hope that they'll turn it around and you can at least get something out of them still i have a success as well going after my guys early i'm not sure i bounce back and forth between the trading up and trading back thing kind of depends on the room but yeah if you can go get your guys and your guys turn out to work there can be a huge advantage doing that for sure. Mitch, what is your default approach going in?
1: So Dan brought it up a little bit, but it changes on the time of year that it is. So in the previous two months before the NFL draft, I hit rookies really hard. I don't hit the top ones because they're already going pretty much at their max value as it is. They're already be taken at their value. But I will go and hit the later round guys and I'll hit them really hard. So my picks between round 10 and round 20 in drafts, I'll get eight rookies out of there because some of those guys will hit and they will exceed their value and then I could sell them for more in the future. But that will change now when the draft hits this week and if I do a startup draft next month in May, I'm going to have very little rookies because rookie fever is going to hit. And all of those guys are going to be drafted way over what you're ever going to be able to re- realistically expect them produce in the next couple of years. And so my approach changes a little bit depending on the time of the year. And the closer we get to the start of the season, that's where we start to see the veterans. We see the Julio Jones instead of right now where he's... Uh, About sixth round pick, he'll start to creep up into the fourth and third round now in August because people will be looking to win more and the rookies slide down a little bit at that point. So then I'll be willing to draft rookies again at that point. But I just, I constantly try to evaluate where we are in the season. What assets are going to be hyped up more? And then I will change my approach based on that.
0: All right. So it's definitely the zagging when everyone else is zigging. And that's a really interesting point, taking the timing and everyone's current mindset into consideration. John, what do you have for us?
3: It's not groundbreaking information, but I I love to move back. And we talk about it in Superflex drafts. If I have a first and second round startup pick, which obviously everybody goes and do it with that, I love to move out of that and get extra fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft capital. You you look at the guys that are being taken in that round, you're never on the wrong side of the quarterback run. And I've been saying this for over a year now on the on the Dynasty Theory previously super flexology podcast. You're never gonna be on the wrong side. So you look at guys in the in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, you know, even a little bit later, to appease Mitch here, Gardner Minshew, there are guys that you can get that are going to allow you to win, but you're not going to be on the wrong side. So you don't get stuck with the the Drew Brees in the ninth round or the Ben Roethlisberger in the 12th or the Tom Brady. You have guys that are going to allow you to grow into your team. And I, I think with what we do in Superflex, and I don't take part in one quarterback leagues, but in Superflex, you have to build around your quarterbacks to an extent and there's a lot of people, they say, well, I fade quarterback and I've done just fine. Yes, in year one, that's a very viable option, but you have to get guys that at least can last two or three years. And I'm not saying you have to go quarterback round one. And Mitch, you and I, we had a conversation, I the one and one in the league. And I was like, okay, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Lamar Jackson. In this situation, because of the way the quarterbacks are slipping, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey. So I I sent a tweet out and I I prefaced it with I'm very pro quarterback and super flex because if you don't say that and then you say that you're going to take a running back in the first round, well anybody that supports super flex and quarterbacks they're going to bite your head off. So it and I was one of those people. But there is an advantage to going running back early in startups which I'm all about. So if I can't trade back, I want McCaffrey, Barkley, maybe Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure about the hold on the injury situation, but Nick Chubb. There, there are certain guys that I went early and I'm really going to fade wide receiver because I, and I'm sure we'll get that eventually, but wide receivers like Michael Gallup, Calvin Ridley, even a, you know, Dan brought up Julio Jones. You don't have to go wide receiver early to be successful. So, um, you know, Get quarterback in the mid rounds, fourth, fifth, sixth wide receivers, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Give me the running backs early. If I can't trade back.
0: Now, of course we didn't talk about what kind of league you're starting up. Every league usually is different. I mean, there's certain standard formats that are fairly common, but for the most part, every league is a little bit different. Even if scorings are, Often similar but how do you adjust your values of your players or your strategy even when you're going into a league that does have something different whether it's two tight ends super flex uh tight end one tight end that it's premium by a lot maybe two ppr whatever it is i don't necessarily need that specific i just want to know what's your process do you mitch do you have some fancy formula you plug it all into and it resorts all your players by the the new scoring system? Or how do you change your values?
1: Actually, I keep it really simple. So all of my leagues are on my fantasy league. I won't join like any sleeper leagues or anything like that. So all my leagues are on there. So if I join a new startup, I just go and I look at the top scores from last year, see who they are, and then I will know the profiles for that position that outscored. I, I play in a lot of two point PPR for tight end leagues. So I go and look and I see three tight ends were in the top 10 last year. And so I know moving forward, I'm going to want a top tight end that league if I want to compete. And so I just keep it really simple. I look at what happened as far as the scoring outputs last year. And I use that moving forward. I don't use those specific players. I just use that profile. And then I could adjust based off that.
0: John, how much does it change things for you?
3: Mitch, don't lie. He says Uh-oh. it's based on a profile. It's on a specific player. If you're in a safe league that's two PPR for tight end, tell me there's not a, a player that you're targeting in that first round. Just one. It's George Only Kittle. It, it it changes everything. So we're in dynasty startups, and it's two PPR, it's 1.5 PPR for tight end, it's two tight end sets, whatever it is. There are certain players that you want to target, and George Kittle's that guy in tight end premium. Not so much over replacement because I think I think Travis Kelsey outscores him here in 2020, but you look at the three, four-year projection, George Kittle seems like a safe bet. So if it's a tight end premium league, I mean, I have leagues where I have George Kittle, Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram, uh, Darren Waller. I target that position heavy because in a lot of these leagues where it's two PPR for tight ends, people don't realize the situation they're putting themselves in by fading that position. Mitch, you know, better than anybody we've been in these leagues. What do all the teams in the championship game look like they have at least one really reliable tight end.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's so like we said, we play in a lot of those leagues and if you don't have a top tight end, you don't have a chance of winning. You could get lucky in the playoffs, you know, and have a magical shot that way. But on average, you're not going to have any chance to win unless you have one of the top three or four tight ends that year. And sometimes it turns
0: out to be like a Tyler Higbee towards the end of the season, and he's mm-hmm. the one who carries you in. I have saw that many times last season. Dan, regardless of the format, whether tight ends or or anything, is there any process that you often take in figuring out how you knew to adjust your values or like you said, going into a startup, do you still have your guys that you, you kind of want regardless just because you're confident in them?
2: Uh, it's, you know, I definitely want my guys, no matter what I'm relying on that player evaluation. You know, we talked in a previous episode of dynasty theory where, you know, last year I was on Mark Andrews. So I was able to wait a little bit and just I had a good feeling on this guy and it it panned out. But I think the important thing is not to neglect the position. If you know, it's a premium tight end scoring league. And I I think the most important thing for our listeners is, you know, Mitch brought up, you know, looking at last year's leading scores. And I think it's also important to read the rules. I don't know how many startups, you know, I probably made the mistake once as a rookie and I never made it again. It's read the rules, read the scoring, because in every startup we're in, there's that one guy that says, Hey, uh, and, he, and he asked the question around the eighth round when it's too late. Uh, is this tight end premium scoring? And, and then, okay, you know, you know, where you're going to trade that guy for his first round draft pick at that point because it's going to have more value. But read that, the rules.
3: That and, happened and, to me in the sixth God, round. Gosh. It was it was it was a safe league, two PPR for tight ends, and a guy says, "Is there a tight end premium?" I'm sitting there with four tight ends already. I'm like, no, it's not tight end premium. You're fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Right. I
0: was in a, a startup it was just a one-year redraft kind of tournament thing and um no one really only a few people in the room realized that there was incredible points for return yards we're talking point two points per yard basically like your tyler lockett um there was a couple players when you do exactly what mitch said you go back into and i don't care if it's on mfl Miami fantasy league I don't care if it's on Flea Flicker. I assume you can do this on, I'm pretty sure you can do it on Sleeper too. Anywhere, you're going to be able to go back in once the league is set up, you're going to be able to find wherever that is that has the player pool and look at their 2019 or whatever the previous year is. And like he said, look at how that lands. And I did that and immediately I was like, wait. Did I miss something because I didn't see it when I looked through just you look through the scoring rules and it's boring you're you're scanning through it's easy to miss things but when you actually look at that list of players there were players in there who should not be in there and it realized it made me realize that okay I can start drafting some of these crazy players no one else is thinking about a little later and getting some great values as well as some players like a Tyler Lockett or someone who might be getting some work in that area on the side and so That's very valuable to do. I always suggest people do exactly, exactly that. I'm gonna go just around the room and say, look, we've heard each of your approaches. We've heard what you like to do. What is one key suggestion? Little bit of advice you could give someone who is maybe going into a startup that, they've done startups before, but they're not really comfortable yet. So someone, they're doing their first couple for the year. I want to hear your best piece of advice for them when they start doing a draft in 2 weeks or now. John.
3: So, I I think the most uh question the question that we get asked the most often is should I trade my 107 for 208 405 and I'll kick back the 708 or you know, whatever it is. When you're making a startup trade, if if anything else, look at the ADP and look at the players going in that range. So if I can say, okay, I'll trade a Joe Mixon and Tyler Lockett for player A and player B, okay, it makes sense. But when you sit there and try to assign just random uh, 105, 208 and just random picks, it's really difficult to do. So I, w- I would say the biggest piece of advice, if you're looking to ever trade up or trade back, look at the players that you think might be taken in that range because it's going to help you tremendously. And you're actually going to make an educated decision as opposed to random picks where you don't know what players are going to go in that range. So I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I've talked to several people that have just started out and they say, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm trading startup picks. Well, assign players to those picks and it's going to help you out a little bit.
0: All right. Yeah, that's a good idea. So just take that random number, which does not it's hard to put a value to it, like you said, and convert it or translate it according to ADP to a real name that you're going to be more familiar uh, evaluating their values. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. And my other
3: piece of advice is whatever Mitch tells you to do, do the opposite and you'll be fine.
0: Okay, well, we'll save him for last so I can cut it out if I need to. So we're (laughs) going to go to Dan next then. Dan, uh, what's your biggest piece of advice?
2: I'll build a bit off what John's saying there. And, you know, Dynasty's meant to be fun. And that's part of the reason for my strategy of being aggressive earlier. I want my guys so I can enjoy watching football on Sunday. And then I have rosters that don't have them and I have a big mix. But I've seen all three strategies work, whether it's, trade them back like those guys whether it's being aggressive like myself I've also seen guys just be steady and not trade much and just stay with their picks and have solid rosters and be very competitive so as you're listening make sure it's fun because any of these strategies could work but you got to take John's advice there of knowing the market value you know we talked about the basics of knowing the scoring and the rules but then once you know the market value if you're a novice player or just kind of new to it or don't draft as like 50, hundred, thousand teams like jB, at least know the ADP, like you mentioned, and do some mock drafts. You know, get, get you know, try to get, you see some of these guys on Twitter posting mock drafts, you know, get some practice there so you get a little bit of idea of the market value. And if it's someone who's a little bit more experienced, but maybe you haven't drafted in a lot, study your competition a little bit, you know, follow their Twitter pages, see who they like, and know who you're competing against. I'm going to say, so
3: Dan, Dan's talking about mock drafts, and Mitch, you and I—we've talked about this. If it's a one-quarterback league, sure, mock the crap out of it. But in Superflex, every league is different. So we focus. On, I mean, I only take part in Superflex leagues. I'm in about, you know, I, I said that I was in 30, 35 startups this off season. Overall, I'm in about sixty leagues. I think fifty-nine of them are Superflex. Every single one is different. So yeah, you can do you can do mock drafts, but every single one is different where Matthew Stafford goes in the fourth round and one, he goes in the seventh round and another. So, yeah, it's a good tool to see where players are going in relation to other players in the position. But when you throw quarterbacks in, all bets are off.
2: Yeah, you got you got to be careful with the mock drafts. I'm not really a fan of them or do a lot of them. But I think if you're just starting out, I know Mitch and I are the first league I ever got in with them, We have a gentleman in that league right now who – really doesn't know market value that well. And he's asking us as he drafts round by round, should I take this guy here? Who's there? And we're all helping him in those kind of things. But I think there'd be, you know, merit for him there, just getting a little bit more experience and, you know, having any kind of mock draft in Superflex, but also, you know, merging the ADP with that. And that's what all of us have been talking and telling them, showing them where guys are going in different drafts.
0: Just last episode, I had Dan Williamson of the Goat District podcast on. And we talked about best balls, Uh, nothing but best balls. And he made a great point about how one of the reasons he loves doing all these best ball drafts. Of course, once you're done, once you're done drafting, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But he's able to get so many of these in that they're almost like mock drafts. So when he gets into the especially redraft season or even startups, he is very, very comfortable um, not just in drafting one way, but adjusting how he drafts. And he's he's not relying on ADP. He's He can go by what he has in his, his head as the values and read his own team and how the roster construction is is looking. And so that's I'm just sharing that because if mocks help you when people are just trying things, then best balls are another way you can look into it and you really get a higher level of uh, an experience because everyone else is really trying because there's money on the line. It means you have to put a little money on the line, but they can be even $3, some of these. So that's something that someone could look into, listen to the last episode if you haven't. If um, if you want to get into mocks, but you've maybe experienced that same thing and you have bad experience with with people even not trying or disappearing in the middle of them and so on. Mitch, well, you, oh, do you sorry. have something you've got to... <laughs>
3: I, I, I'm going to interrupt Mitch real Here quick. Here he is. He's grabbing, I have to, He's I have grabbing to. at these rounds. Right,
2: Mitch didn't even start yet, and he got interrupted. That's how bad it is tonight. <laughs> Go ahead, John.
3: So we talk about ADP, and please, Mitch, Dan, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you talk about ADP, and let's say uh, A.J. Brown. He's currently going wide receiver 7, 8. ADP is interesting because it only takes one person to really like that player and reach to get them at the higher ADP. Whereas, so I, I, all, all the time I do social experiments and Mitch knows this. And it happened with Deandre Hopkins the other day where I'll see a tweet from somebody or somebody in a group chat will say something and they'll say, Oh, Deandre, Deandre Hopkins is a cell. And I'll say, well, They're not, but I'm going to go out and sell them. So I'll throw out, if I have a share of them, I will throw out offers to everyone in the league. And some of them are high, some of them are low, but it's a social experiment. And, it you know, we talk about an A.J. Brown player where they're wide receiver seven, eight, but you go to sell them. I've tried to sell them for a 102, 103, 104, And it has not been successful. So I think it's very it's a cautionary tale to talk about ADP when you value players because it it always just takes one person to reach or you know gamble on that player the higher ADP. And most people in the league, they want nothing to do with that player at that ADP. So I, I just think it's very interesting to value player ADP. I you know, just a cautionary tale.
2: Agreed. There's a lot that goes into that. You know, where's that player in your rankings? Sometimes we know our league mates, and we know he's going to go earlier or later than his ADP, so that could impact where you take a guy. But it's a tool. It's how how you use it. it's going to be a big factor there. And I know you guys are all racking up your projections and rankings, so that probably helps.
0: My projections do help me find a lot of mismatches in ABP versus value for sure. But Mitch, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute these other guys real quick. And I'm gonna know, I want to know your answer because it looks like you've got something. And, and John seemed to, he threw out the challenger saying that do the opposite of what
1: Mitch said. So you, be, you better have something good for us here. That's right, he said, don't listen to anything that I say. But <laughs> all right, so what I will do is if you're new coming in, you probably listen to a couple of podcasts and they will always tell you to value your future picks highly. Don't trade them. And I'll tell you the exact opposite. If you If you're going into a new league trade your 2021 first for a player that you know that's going to go in the first round of the 2020 rookie drafts. So the draft's happening tomorrow. So let's just say Justin Jefferson right now is the 109, 110 ish in 2020 rookie draft ADP. Just go out and trade for him in the startup draft. Give your 2021 first for the 705 or the 706, whatever it is, and pick up Justin Jefferson or whoever ends it, if it's Edwards Alaire, or Cam Akers at that point whoever it is it doesn't really matter but trade your 21 first now for a player that's already going to be a first round pick then you don't have to worry about you not valuing that pick at the right cost just trade it in the startup draft you don't even have to worry about it and it gives you one more player to start throughout the year than what the other players have so it's giving you that little bit of an advantage over other players and you know, you're already getting that 106, 107 value out of that pick already.
3: And Mitch, real quick, spoiler alert. So we had Woody Page on the show earlier today. And Mitch, he is a very essential employee to the state of Utah. So he couldn't, he couldn't jump on with us. But Woody said, the Broncos have the 15th overall pick. There are rumors and sources say They're going to trade up and take Jerry Judy, maybe eighth, ninth overall. But he wants them to trade back to 20 and take Mr. Jefferson. And I said that Mitch, and Dan, you said this too, Mitch would like that a lot.
2: He's on your boy, Mitch, so you're going to like him.
1: I would hate that. He'll be on the Broncos with Drew Locke, which will hurt his value because Drew Locke isn't a very good quarterback. so I don't know if I like that. Oh, yeah, I
3: don't know about that. And also, real quick, Woody said that Drew Locke might not be the quarterback of the future, but he's the quarterback of the next two, three years. So, right, he's the quarterback until next year when they get
2: someone better. He's better than that.
0: Yeah, I tried trading for Sutton last week, and the guy was kind of trying to give me a little bit of a hard time. And I said, well. You know, we can just wait till the draft and for the Broncos to draft another wide receiver. And then we can talk then, you know, if his value, maybe his value will go down. Um, He knew I was half joking, but I, I was also pretty serious because I do think they're going to draft someone. Hopefully it's going to be someone like even a Judy, I suppose. But I was ho- hoping it was going to be someone that won't take too much value from Sutton. But I wasn't willing to overpay because we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. And so there's going to be some players out there who surprisingly lose a little value. Is that something that you guys, I mean, by the time everyone's listening to this, the draft has already happened. I'm not going to be putting this out during the draft. Uh, It's all going to be over. We're all going to have at least a day to have considered all the new values, all the new moves. John, is that something that you're looking at to try to take advantage of right away in your existing? I know we're talking about startups, but we're going to take a little... Little rabbit trail here. Are you pouncing on that right away this week? As soon as someone hears this, are they going to their league and trying to trade for those players who have a perceived competitor now on their team? Or is it pretty case-by-case?
3: So it's tough because let's use the Broncos for an example. So I have Cortland Sutton, or Josh, let's say you have Cortland Sutton, and they move up. They take Jerry Judy at eight or nine. And... I want to make a move for Carlton Sutton because I do like him or or know a fan or whoever. I hate to boost the egos of people in our leagues, but we're in leagues with a lot of smart people. We really are, and an offer out there, they're probably going to hold. You know, especially because they probably see that player in a very high light. So, yeah, I mean, in the past, I may have. Throwing a player out on the trade bait that just got recently injured, and I was hoping they wouldn't have seen that, but, <laughs> um, yeah, the, I am gonna make a move for those players, but do I think it's gonna be accepted? Do I think I'm gonna be able to buy low on that player? Probably not. So, eh, I'm gonna make an attempt, but I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath.
0: It's a little harder to buy buy low, sell high in dynasty leagues in the off season. More and more, you can get away with it in in season. I find, I think we've talked about that a little bit in the past here, but um, still, everyone has that dynasty mindset on in the off season at least. But have you, either of you, experienced anything different, Dan?
2: I'm with JB there. Yeah, I mean, if something kind of tilts in the favor of one of our rosters, we're you know, someone really likes someone landing, someone's landing spot and they're on your roster and you could get a little bit better value for it at that time. You know, it might be a little bit more open to trade. Um, you know, if someone that I think that I'm a little bit higher on lands somewhere nice, and maybe it's not on another, you know, league mates radar as much, you know, you might see a trade offer for me there, but nothing of great magnitude, but we definitely get some more answers to the puzzle. You know, and I know Mitchell be cranking away his projections after the draft there adjusting and, it's gonna give him more answers for his draft and, and all of us. So we're definitely looking forward to seeing where those landing spots are. So know the other
0: owners in your team, know who their favorite teams are, know what they like to focus on, and we're so take advantage of that than anything. Mitch, any comment?
1: No, what these guys said, I will just repeat the same thing, but you made a great point. Know your league mates. Knowing your league mates is huge. If you know like, I know who the Steelers fans are in my league. I don't like James Washington at all. But if somehow I make a trade and pick up a James Washington share, I immediately go and text the Steelers fan and be like, hey, do you want James Washington? And usually you'll get a feeler back from him. Or whether it's a Lions fan or Dolphins fan, whoever. You know, you could get some ideas on who they would want. And sometimes it allows you to make more trades knowing that you can immediately flip a player that you don't like, but you know someone else in the league
3: will and you can immediately flip that player to someone else. One player real quick. So we're talking about maybe by lows because of the draft. We know that the Raiders are going to target wide receiver once they do. And I've been buying them all off season already. We're up here through April. Darren Waller, everybody, they're going to draft a wide receiver and everybody's going to say, well, Darren Waller, you know, he's facing, you know, Jason Witten was just brought into Oakland. Well, Las Vegas. I, I still say Oakland, but, you know, they have Tyrell Williams, they're gonna have a Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and or Henry Ruggs, whoever. But he's a guy that I think is gonna be highly valuable, especially if you're in a tight end premium league. He's still somebody that I'm targeting. So let's say the Oakland Raiders, they do attack the wide receiver position in the first round. I'm going to send feelers out for Darren Waller because I think he's still a very valuable asset.
0: Yeah, when that topic came up for me in a couple leagues, um, I initially was on the side of I assumed everyone was going to be all hyped about how he ended the season last year, and I assumed everyone would be overvaluing him, overvaluing him, and I was saying, you know what? Look at his game log. He had a lull in the middle of the season. Foster Moreau was taking a lot of his touchdowns away. You know, I so I was the guy urging the caution for Darren Waller, but then. I started seeing where he was going, what values, what auction values I got him at an incredible price. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was cheaper than Hayden Hurst. Timing of when I won the bid, that's how auctions are funny, that played a part. But still, it varies. It was very surprised to see that uh, Waller was being so widely discounted in anticipation that they'd be drafting a bunch of receivers and everyone's thinking that That's why he was only as good as he was. I don't think he'll be as good, but he's still gonna be like top 10, still very, very much a starter. Back to startups, enough of a rabbit trail there. Gotta keep us on track. Um, We're focused so much on the startup itself, on the draft itself. I do wanna say one thing. What are you looking at when you are joining these leagues? Because that's what we have to remember, if it's a startup, it's a new league. So you've got new co-owners, you've got a new commissioner, maybe you're the commissioner. But let's say you're not the commissioner, you're just being invited to join. I'm not so much interested in what are are you looking for? I want to know, what are you going to say no to? What are the warning flags? What do you see that you say, you know what, I'm out? Maybe even to the point of you join, you're in the room, but then you have to step out before the draft. I know I've had to do that once before, but what are some of those warning signs, red flags, whatever you want to call it? How far, how bad does it have to be? What do you say no to? Mitch?
1: One thing I'm really worried about right now is with the economy we're in, I'm worried that a whole bunch of people are going to have startups and people are going to be willing to commission startups and they're not going to be around next year because they're not really in it for the long haul. They're doing it more because They're bored. So as of right now, I won't join a startup if I don't know who the commissioner is. I'm kind of lucky to where I know a fair amount of people in the, in the superflex space on Twitter. And So you get opportunities to join, but I won't join a random one that I find on Reddit or if I just see one posted on Twitter somewhere. I'm really worried that we're going to have a lot of orphans next year. We're going to have a lot of commissioners just walk away and not even set anything up for the following year. So especially if we're not paying for the year 2020 and the year 2021 at the time of the startup, there's just no way I'd be willing to join one
2: right now.
0: Dan, what do you have?
2: Yeah, that's a very solid suggestion there by Mitch. You know, be very selective and careful. You don't want to hop into a league that's going to fold or not be strong as we go. You know, this has evolved for me over the last couple of years. You know, it started with the league with Mitch and, you know, got to know Mitch well and went from one team to him predicting me having seven to him predicting me I'm 10. And I'm up to around 13 now and, you know, still a novice compared to Bauer over there and even Mitch. Um, those guys have got their share of leagues. But I I am to the point where I'm very selective. And, you know, you look at the format, you know, I am more comfortable in a a safe league with Scott Fish because if a team morphed in three times or more, they're not allowed back into the league. He has a lot of rules there to safe net, you know, the security of the league. And you still have to be careful, but it's a better option to go. But with the economy, even there, you got to be a little more careful than usual. But I I definitely – want to know that there's a solid commissioner in place, you know, and, and Scott fish definitely gives that over there. Um, you know, if you don't have a strong commissioner, I'm in one league where it's, it's not too stable because the commissioner has been a little wishy washy on the rules and structure. Um, but if you have a solid commissioner and you have a solid league, the last thing I would say is just, you know, hopefully you can get into it with some good league mates that, that really make it fun. You know, it's tough. When you get that one obnoxious guy in the league or that wants to badmouth people or, you know, so if you have any opportunity to know who's going in the league there too, that's a plus. Oh, John's pointing diagonal over there. Uh, <laughs>
0: so don't don't join the league with John's in it.
2: Yeah, they're good guys. Don't don't let John kid you there. He, even Mitch, he gets a little little like cranky sometimes, but he's a good dude.
0: Every once in a while, that that's just because he's intense.
2: It could be. I mean, being a Lions fan that that, that builds up over the years, so we, we understand where he's coming from.
0: Yeah, I know a couple of those. Yeah, I, I can see that. John, what are you steering clear of? Is there is it are you going with the money issues here, or for me, it was it was more about personalities and uh, behavior?
1: John joins anything. Don't listen to anything he says. We know he. <laughs> That's what I wanted to know. If it says startup, if it says startup, he's already joined and already paid. Like he just clicks the link at that point. I was just
3: gonna say how bad does I, I, it
0: have I, to be for John to say no? That's what I want Where's his line? Does he have one?
3: I have never met a startup I didn't like. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, so at the point that I'm at now, and uh, I don't want to sound like cocky or anything, but there's a certain threshold in terms of dollar amount that I won't join because I really do spend so much time. On every single league I'm in. I really do. And it, at a certain point. It, it doesn't become worth it. But the leagues I'm in. It could be a $10 league. a $100 league. $500. It doesn't matter. I spend so much time. So the leagues that I'm joining at this point. It's. Do they make it worth it in terms of time? I'm very selective in terms of the platform. So because of the amount of leagues I'm in. I want to be on my fantasy league because that's where majority of the leagues that I'm in. They're on that. And are they on group me? Because the majority of the leagues they're on that. It's very tough to be on different league platforms, different chat platforms where you're bouncing back and forth. I want to be engaged. I want to, you know, send trade offers out. I want to talk to people and I can't do that if I'm on different platforms and, I, I won't do anything that's one quarterback, so that's one thing. I like superflex. I like two quarterback. I like anything that has tight end premium, but you know, it the dollar amount it does matter a little bit. So you know, my threshold is fifty bucks a league. I, I, if it's a smaller league, I I can't join it just because I spend too much time on it. It's not worth it to me. So.
2: I think it evolves how many leagues we're into. too. You know, I think for Mitch, John, and myself, it, it does change, and you do become more selective. And then you've got to readjust. You know, I know John got really busy, and he talked about the format of leagues, wanting to stay with one format and avoid and sleeper. Mitch the same way. Uh, so it definitely changes a lot. You know, for me now, you know, trying to play catch up with these guys, I'm looking for those relationships, like you said, Josh. You know, it's who's in the league, who's going to make it fun. You know, can I join with a guy that you know I get along with great on Twitter, and I'm not in a league with him. You know that kind of competition you look for.
0: All right, so John is saying you got to know that it's worth it all the time you're going to put into it, and that's that's fair because that's you do a disservice to the rest of your your league if it's not worth it to you, and you find by the mid season you're going to have to put it to the back burner because it's just not worth it to you. You got to focus on your bigger money ones, and then uh, of course, like Dan was just summarized his pretty well. You got to you got to know the room and have good time still. And Mitch, of course, you're saying that's a good point you I want to circle back to. I know there's other services such as uh, League Safe, although I would really be curious what their policy is right now about what happens if the if the season's canceled. Um, so I, you would still need to look into that, but there's still services there that can help you protect you if it's a league you don't know the people in. But past that, you're right, it's a time to really be careful about that more so than maybe past years. We're going to go around the room really quick. And if anyone's got any last points, anything last they want to bring up, John, we're going to hit you first and then get over to the other guys.
3: I actually have one more thing. So a lot of people, they want to be in leagues that are unique and they have settings in different things. So like one league that I was, I almost entered was a pokemon league and they have the different stones and you go to the different gyms and all these things well i'm in so many leagues i actually prefer a very basic setup so we take part in a lot of the Scott Fish safe leagues it's all super flex one tight end but it's two ppr for the tight end and it's a very uh i know the settings that's what i prefer so I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I know there's some people they like unique leagues, but because the amount of leagues I'm in, I prefer a very straight setting and I know exactly. Okay. But I set my lineup. This is the scoring system. This is how many players I need in each position. So it works for me. So if, if you're in a lot of leagues, I think that kind of works out better.
1: Kiss.
0: Keep it simple. Stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Dan, any closing thoughts?
2: I guess my last thought would just to be be active, you know, any way you can. I know everybody has different schedules, uh, but just don't let your roster just sit there and not look at it for a month. You know, if you're going to invest some money, you know, if you can get in the group me chat, that helps. It makes it for a fun active league, but just, you know, trying to entertain some trades makes it, you know, make some trades, Stay active on the free agent wire. Uh, you know, I think all of us here gain a competitive event, competitive edge, just being very active. That, that's going to help you along the way.
1: Last one, Mitch. The only thing I'm going to say is it's okay to be an ageist going in. When you first join your first dynasties, you're going to hear, hey, you don't want any old players. Guys like Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, Travis Kelsey, Tom Brady, all of those guys can help you win a championship. And as much as we love staying young and building for the future, I'm in it to win money at the end of the day. So if I have to go all in, go with Tom Brady and Adam Thielen for a year and have a chance to compete. If I have to rebuild after I win second place, I have money for the next 3 or 4 years to buy for those start to buy in for the league fees each year. You know, so it's okay to draft older players. Don't only draft young guys. I see it on so many teams right now. If you have rookies included, you'll see one whole team with nothing but rookies. And you know that guy's not going to compete for the next three years. So he's already three years behind everybody else. So I would just say, just be realistic and grab some older vets that are also going to help you compete at the same time.
0: And you might get them at a discount too, because everyone else is thinking they only want young players. All right, guys, I really appreciate you jumping on with me tonight. We're going to go around one more time. I want to hear where people can find you on Twitter or anywhere else if you have anything written. Dan, what do you have for us?
2: I'm just a big fantasy junkie. So, you know, dynasty's becoming the first passion, but I'm gonna be big come DFS season, especially. You know, do my share of redraft. And basically I'm posting a lot on Twitter there at FF Coach Dan. Give me a follow. I try to, you know, add a little humor, but mostly point some, you know, tidbits here and there that'll help our listeners. And other than that, just uh dynasty theorying up here with JB and Mitch having a lot of fun. All right, Mitch,
0: where are you?
1: So I'm at DinoMC on Twitter. And one last thing, Dan is an absolute beast at DFS. Like I give him crap a lot about things, but he is one of the best DFS players I know. So if you ever need help, definitely reach out to him on that. But I'm just at DinoMC, and we're going to start really hitting our YouTube page soon. I'm sure John will correct me, but I think it's uh, Dynasty Theory FF. On YouTube, and we're going to start to put a lot of videos on there. John's already
3: shaking his head, so I'll let him take it from there. On YouTube, it's just Dynasty Theory. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, Twitter, it's Dynasty Theory FF. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And we are, I mean, it's going to be content, content, content. Um, You know, if if you play Dynasty, you're going to want to tune in. If you don't. We have guys like Woody page come on the show. We've had Mike clay, Ross Tucker. So I'm going to name drop here. Um, JJ Zacharyson. but yeah, we have some people that come on the show. They spew some knowledge, but we get some tidbits along the way. So tune in.
0: Definitely check it out. They have been pumping it out and it's all good stuff. Uh, John here is fearless in, in the invitations. And so he, every once in a while, nets a big fish. So uh, congratulations there. And uh, it's always a good listen. And these guys are a lot of fun. But they also do know what they're talking about. So once again, appreciate. Check them out. Dynasty Theory is the podcast on whatever network you look for. You can find it there. Go give them a listen. See you next time.